week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you are there, put in referral code BRAND13. That's B-R-A-N-1-3 to tell them that I sent you. You can also put in BRAND9, B-R-A-N-D-9, to tell them that our new co-host, Jay Arnold, sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we introduce our new co-host, Jay Arnold. We recap week 10, preview week 11, and then Jay and I talk about our top 10 rankings for the college football playoff. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. And I have the pleasure to introduce our newest or our newest co-host on the Get Back Coach, a connoisseur of barbecue, played defensive line at Texas A&M, the master of the pass rush from Rockwall, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Jay Arnold. What an intro. Uh Appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for uh, inviting me on here. Uh, obviously, we're both college football sickos, so mm-hmm. uh, can't wait to talk about some of the happenings of this past weekend. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be good. Um uh, been looking for a co-host for a while um, since Jay's been piling around with our people at Branded. What, what better co-host to have on a college football show than Mr. Jay Arnold? So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. So, Jay, we're going to put you on the spot first. Uh, Texas A&M, the Aggies, they looked pretty damn good against Auburn this weekend. What did you see in that game? I mean, just the first thing you got to look at is the defensive side of the ball for A&M. I mean, they just looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I honestly don't believe there's a better defense in the country than like Georgia. I think Georgia's about the only other defense that I see that I, I would rank ahead of AM's defense right now. Uh, especially just the way they're playing. I mean, I feel like they've just come together and gelled uh, so much, especially in that front uh that front group. Uh guys with I mean, you have Tyree Johnson who's just been a sack machine recently. Uh Michael Clemens had that uh, scoop and score. Uh, Jaden Peavy in the middle. DeMarvin Leal has been able to play uh, both inside and out. I mean, it, it's just a, such a strong, strong defensive line group. And I mean, I, obviously, as a defensive lineman myself, it's just fun to watch those guys work. Uh, and I felt like they're pressuring Bo Nix all day. Uh, there was a lot of stunts, a lot of uh, twists going on up front to just kind of keep the uh, Auburn offensive line guessing. Uh, but I mean, it, it just it seemed like they just kept uh, Auburn on their toes and didn't allow them to get into any kind of rhythm. And uh, we saw that in the reflection uh, on the scoreline, right? I mean, oh, yeah. three points, holding a team to three points is a, is a pretty impressive uh, effort by that group. Yeah, and, you know, if you're able to stunt like the way they stunt I, – I, I think I said this when you were on the last time. But when you can stunt like that, you don't have to bring – you don't have to bring many blitzes. You know, if you can stunt like that and, and get that offensive line off off kilter and off off their slide, off um, just beat them off the ball, basically, then you don't have to blitz. And we've all been talking about, you know, Bo Nix not, t- you know, he's notorious for not taking care of the football, but for this year he's done a good job of that. 
And we saw against Texas A&M, he had the, the strip sack fumble. He threw a pick, and Texas A&M took advantage of that. Yeah, I think my thing is, I think Bo Nix was just flustered the whole game. And it was a combination of, uh, obviously, I mean, Kyle Field, that place was was rocking on Saturday. I oh, mean, yeah. that environment. You had 105,000 people in there, and every one of them was, was screaming whenever uh, Auburn had the ball uh, to obviously provided that home field advantage. And then add to that the fact that, Knicks just never had any time to breathe. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like constantly, uh, like you said, uh, A&M didn't even have to bring blitzes. They did a little bit just to mix it up, give them some different looks. But uh, it, it seemed like he was constantly under pressure. Uh, and then, obviously, they did have a little bit of success running the ball with Tank Bigsby. You're going to have that whenever you have a running back that talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, the damage was mostly limited. And, obviously, those two turnovers, uh, one to uh, – give A&M the, the two-score lead there. Right. Uh, and basically, I mean, that pretty much was the, the nail in the coffin with the way that defense was playing. And then the the final interception to seal the game uh, by Jalen Jones, who I think had a pretty pretty fantastic game at mm-hmm. corner. Uh, it was just – I mean, it, it makes me happy to talk about it because I love good defensive football, especially oh, when yeah. my team's playing it. And uh, it, it's, it's something that A&M fans should be excited about. Uh, you're going to lose some of that talent up front next year, but uh, a lot of the guys in the back end, uh, you know, Jalen Jones, Tyree Chappell, who's a, a freshman uh, at the other corner spot, has looked pretty great since coming in. Uh, and then, I mean, in the back end, obviously, Leon O'Neill is probably going to be gone next year, but uh, Damani Richardson, I think, will stick around for one more year. And uh, it's it's a lot to build off of. And I think if you're an AM fan, you have to be excited with the culture that Mike Elko uh, has brought to this uh, defensive group. No, absolutely. And, you know, one other thing before we move forward, um, I would love to see Texas A&M now play against that Arkansas team earlier in the year because when the, when that quarterback change took place, and, and I think the polls are reflecting it a little bit because we're seeing Texas A&M at, at 11 and 12, that if, if they would have gotten the offense going a little bit sooner – then I, there's no question Texas A&M would have beaten Arkansas. Their defense held them pretty much the entire game, but their offense just couldn't get anything going, which is giving K.J. Jefferson just more touches and, and more chances. Um, but um, this A&M team is good, and like you said, the future is bright. Um, one good thing that you didn't mention, um, Isaiah Spiller, they can really kind of lean on that running game a little bit if Calzada is not feeling it. And I think that's a good, it's a good thing to have when you know you can run the football. Yeah. Uh, and my thing is, I think they should run the football even more. I think Jimbo likes to pass the ball uh, a little bit more than, than I would personally prefer, especially when you have Spiller and then also Devon Shane. I mean, you have that thunder oh, yeah. and lightning combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, nobody in the league is as fast as Shane. And that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, he just legitimately has that elite track speed and is a pretty decent runner. Uh, obviously, the fumble he had uh, on that big run uh, late in the game was a little bit uh, worrisome, uh, but you know you still got to keep feeding him. And then Isaiah oh, yeah. Spiller is just—I mean—he's a fantastic running back. He does everything well. Mm-hmm. He can stay in and pass pro and block well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's a bigger guy, but he's still shifty, and he, it seems like he just has fantastic vision. Uh, he he seems to make positive plays out of negative plays pretty often. Do you think? And I was thinking about this, like trying to compare him to another back. Do you think he's kind of like a Nick Chubb? I, I know Nick Chubb is amazing, but like, do you think he's more like kind of like a Nick Chubb? Uh, so one thing that I kind of saw him as, and I mean, I'm not saying this is like a a tit for tat comparison, Mm -hmm. but the way he's kind of patient and lets blocks develop and then decides to hit the hole. It reminds me a lot of the way Le'Veon Bell ran uh, in Mm -hmm. his prime uh, with the Steelers. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's something, again, I'm not saying that he's going to be the next Le'Veon Bell whenever he gets to the league, but it's a similar approach that you see where a lot of running backs don't have that patience to kind of let the play develop. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's an asset that Spiller has that, that 
isn't as common. Right. Uh, and like I said, I mean, that's where his vision comes in to, to making positive plays out of negative plays where, you know, it, it looks like a play's dead at the line of scrimmage and he'll go ahead and get like two or three extra yards out of it. And it's mm-hmm. that can make the difference, in, uh, especially in a defensive game like we saw on Saturday. Yeah. I always feel like he's always going forward, like yeah. when he's hit, you know. He, and like Le'Veon Bell was kind of like that too. He was like put together more. He wasn't like skinnier back like – and I, I know I say skinnier back because, but these guys are freak athletes. But like, like Saquon Barkley would do that, but like he was more shifty, right? Whereas I think guys like Spiller and Bell are they they have more meat on them, and I think that they're more punchy in the mouth. They can also punch you in the mouth too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean like that's the other thing too is we see the power game that Bell and and Spiller have, but those guys are are shiftier than they look, right? Yeah, like, yeah. they're not they're not going to be like a. Uh, you know, like a, a a true shifty back, like a uh, like a Saquon would be, or like if you look at some of the smaller backs. I mean, even like Devon Shane, like he, he's not going to be. He doesn't have that same uh, take the top off a of defense speed like Shane has. But that's why it's good to have the kind of the the mix of the two. I mean, working together. I, honestly, I'd like to see some more two back sets out of A and M just to to keep defenses really on their toes. Oh man, bring back two back sets. We need more. <laughs> we need more. I mean, shit, um, we can go three back sets. Go ahead and get a fullback involved, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Michigan State lost. Um, Joe really, really is, upset that Joe's not here for that. I know. Joe <laughs> is taking it a lot better than I thought. Um, but here's here's the thing. Purdue threw everything in the kitchen sink at Michigan State. They threw everything at them. Um, I am disappointed in Michigan State's defense after I gave them I, – I I bashed them all year. And then I said, you know what? I think they they may have been putting it together. I think they're okay. And I was so ready. Any other year I would be like, Purdue's winning this game. But I went against it. I went against my gut, and this is what happens. This is what happens when I ally myself with Joe. <laughs> This is what happens. Well, I'm glad I took the over in that game. Uh, that ended up paying off for me. Yeah. But uh, is there any team more dangerous to a ranked Big Ten team than unranked Purdue? I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of terrifying. The 17th time this has happened, the next team is Illinois has done it when they're ranked. And they, ha- and they picked up two wins this year. I mean, I get so did Purdue. But, man, it's just – I, I don't know what voodoo magic Purdue has before these games. It's Ross and, Aid, man. There's something about it. Maybe it's the tracks on the field. Yeah. or <laughs> Well, like even like Purdue, I remember the one year I think they went in Ohio State. This is years ago. They went in Ohio State and won. And then obviously it was that big Rondale Moore game from a couple years ago. And then they beat Iowa in Kinnick this year. Um, Aiden O'Connell, I believe he was a transfer from Wheaton College. He was like, I think, a freshman at Wheaton, and then he was leaving, and he ends up, you know, starting for Purdue. Has all of his eligibility, like the whole thing. And but yeah, Aiden Aiden O'Connell is looking really good. That Purdue offense, um, honestly, they probably should have started O'Connell from the start, just because of how they're playing. Uh, David Bell is one of the best wide receivers in the country, yeah. um, and we'll talk about some other receivers too. But um, David Bell, it's like it's it's funny, and I know you're SEC country, but I feel like people in the SEC don't believe that receivers in the North are fast and can like run under a four nine. <laughs> but the Big Ten has, a, like Ohio State has three receivers that'll that could go in the first two rounds. That's what happens when you show Michigan on TV too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, seriously though, Ohio State has three guys. Yeah, um, I mean you have uh, Jackson, Wilson, Olave, and then um, there's the other one that just had a big game. Um, Jackson uh, Smith Jigba's. Yep, yep. And really, really yes. solid. Uh, and then who, who's the third one? Chris Olave, uh, Jackson, Wilson, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. So, yeah, that, I mean, Ohio State's always been able to recruit pretty oh, well. Yeah. I mean, you look at but, it. I mean, Wilson and uh, Smith Jigba are both from uh, Texas. Are they so, really? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, they they went up north, so we're claiming them. Now, ja- Jackson's actually a rockball kid. Yeah. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he went to my uh, the rival high school. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have those. You have David Bell out of Purdue. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is really good. He just had a monster game. Well, I mean, like Maryland. Rondell Moore was a Purdue receiver. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's one of the most electric players in in the league right now. I know. You know, as it's one of those things where a lot of people were kind of thinking like, okay, is Rondell Moore because of his size, is he going to be able to go into the league? And you know, his combine videos were out of outrageous. Like the amount, like how he can jump. Being well, and, and he couldn't have gone to a better place either. I oh mean, yeah, you know, it's the perfect situation. Like, and I still think I know we're going off topic, but that's uh, where you're drafted is a very important part of your career. Like oh, yeah. there are some guys like it doesn't matter where they go, they go, they're going to be a superstar. But for guys like Rondell Moore, like if he went to the Bears, uh, I mean, are, are, are we really going to be talking about him right in there? No, we're, you know, he's at, he's in Arizona with Kingsbury, with Kingsbury, with Kyler Murray, with that, a good offense. Well, I mean, like you have other receivers around him too, that are just, Super talented. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins over there, and then uh, Christian Kirk, who's been pretty solid for Arizona. Uh, I mean, th- that's the thing is they're able to spread the ball around so much. Now you have Zach Ertz out there too. It's there's so much talent on that offense. It's almost an embarrassment of riches. But we should probably get back to the uh, college game before we really. I know, but no, it's it's one of those things where, like you're saying though, like it's you have Rondell Moore who's just outrageous. But it's perfect that he's with the Cardinals. But, yeah, I mean, you have Purdue here just lighting up Michigan State's defense. I mean, I know there were some trick plays that were thrown in there as well. Um, I mean, Michigan State's offense, I mean, 29 on Purdue, that's that's about right, I think. I think maybe a couple more points. Like, I think I would have thought they wouldn't have gotten to 35. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking like a a thirty five twenty eight type game, mm-hmm. uh, especially with I mean Kenneth Walker just has that home run ability where anytime he touches the ball he has a chance to take it, uh, but it didn't end up working out for Michigan State this time. You know, before we move on, you know, also you have Naylor and Reed there for Michigan State, two other really good running backs yeah. as well. Um, but no, I mean Sparty. Here's the thing with Sparty. They have everything still ahead of them. Yep. If they win out, if they win out, go to the Big Ten Championship and then win that, they're they're going to the playoff. Yep. A one-win Big Ten team will 100% be in. Um, you know, and of course, you have to factor in if they do, if there's another one-loss team, did they play Purdue and the Voodoo Magic? No. You gotta you gotta put them in. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I could definitely see him, especially, I mean, as bad as Ohio State looked against Nebraska this week. I think that's a winnable game for him. Uh, that The Big Ten West is just kind of a, a crapshoot at this point, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, West, it's Wisconsin's game, or it's, it's Wisconsin's uh, division to lose, but I mean... Uh, I mean, Wisconsin hasn't looked great either. They've come on a little bit stronger of late, but it's... It would be hilarious to see uh, somebody kind of backdoor their way into the Big Ten championship from there and kind of ruin it for the rest of the conference by <laughs> by uh, beating whoever comes out of the East. <laughs> I mean, I think Minnesota kind of lost that with their loss to um, Illinois. Yeah. No, but again, if if Minnesota wins out and they beat Wisconsin – Technically, Minnesota can find their way in. It's like it, it's an absolute crapshoot. Really yeah, that's is. what I'm saying. They're like, it's so you have Wisconsin at the top right now. Yeah, but there are four teams in the Big Ten West with a four and two conference record. So you have Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa are all four and two in conference, and then you have Illinois sitting at three and four. So I mean, it's not likely, but they're still kind of in striking distance, and it's uh. That's what I'm saying. Like the the Big Ten West is is not. Uh, it's coming down to the wire. It could be yeah. interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I, and I understand it's it's geographical how they do those divisions or whatever. But 
since they've gone geographical, I think there was only one year where you could say, eh, the West might be better than the East. But since it's inception, and I think that would be last year. But I, I do think then, the West I mean, tends to tends to be better uh, at the very bottom because I mean, like Rutgers in the East is Rutgers in the East is bad, and Illinois uh, this year Illinois looked better. Rutgers in uh, Maryland mm-hmm. in the East have been just <laughs> Mar- Maryland is an enigma to me. Maryland is an ACC team. They belong they to ACC Coastal, but that that's an argument for another day. <laughs> yeah, Maryland, Maryland can come out and beat you, and then they'll lose by thirty to someone else that they should. Yeah, like they beat Texas back to back in a home and home, and they didn't even go to a bowl game. And I believe Texas, the one year I think they went to the Sugar Bowl. That was the year they beat Georgia. Yeah, like it makes Maryland makes zero sense. Like they almost beat Ohio State, you know, they came close with Penn State last year. But then like the following year they get beat by 50. Like there's I don't know. It's that team it it's truly they're a mystery. You never know what type of Maryland team you're going to get. But um we're going to keep it in the Big 10. Um Nebraska loses a close one to Ohio State. Um so Jay, I have this question for you and I've been going back and forth on this. Does Scott Frost deserve another year? Uh, I think any other coach, he'd already be gone. But because it's Scott Frost and because it's Nebraska, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another year. Uh, I just – I don't know who they can hire that mm-hmm. that would improve that place. Because, I mean, at this point, like, it's – Nebraska seems like an almost impossible place to win. I mean, I think the reason they were so competitive – uh, in the early 2000s and in, in the late 90s is they were able to recruit Texas really well uh, yep. playing in the Big 12 Conference. And mm-hmm. they've basically lost all of those inroads by moving to the Big 10. I think that that conference move hurt them in a lot of ways. And there there are ways they can change it up to to be more competitive, but they just haven't found that magic yet. And it's I, I don't want to put all the blame on Scott Frost, but obviously there are some issues there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it starts in week one, or sorry, technically it was week zero, uh, yeah. Illinois, when you, you have a safety on a, on a punt mm-hmm. to like start your game. I mean, when you, when you have those special teams issues, that's usually a coaching uh, yeah. red flag. Uh, but again, I, I don't know that Scott Frost will get the boot after this year just yet uh, because he has, I mean, they have been in a lot of close games. Like they're they're playing teams that are ranked high, tough. They they gave mm-hmm. Ohio State a fight this past week. They gave Michigan State a fight earlier in the year. Uh, so there's obviously Michigan too. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the ability to compete. It's just mm-hmm. you got to take that next step. And yep. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, a loss is a loss. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see if Scott Frost gets another chance. But I wouldn't be surprised either way. I I think I think he deserves one more year. And I think he deserves that for the big reason of he hasn't lost the locker room. Like those guys in that locker room are fighting like hell to try and win football games for him. You hear the, the leader speak, you hear their captain speak. And, and I know that can just be, you know, uh, what everyone says or whatever, but the body language of his players says that they're out there fighting. And if you at least have that and you're playing close with teams, I think you buy yourself another year. Now, the big issue is, like, and you mentioned it, special teams. Their special teams are terrible. And, again, is this because they are so thin that depth chart-wise that they, they're they freshmen and sophomores and these guys that aren't – big time scholarship guys are playing. Usually are your guys playing special teams? They're just not on par. You know, like I saw it with Penn state when they were going through sanctions where they lost scholarships, like their special teams were horrendous for two years. Cause they didn't have, you know, they had guys from Altoona uh, running down on kickoff. Like you can't have that. Um, I, I don't know. They need to fix something on special teams, but I, I think Scott Frost, he gets one more year to at least get to eight wins. If it doesn't get to eight, then you got to say, okay, we might need to move on. Yeah, and again, I mean, there's 
a few more weeks in the season to close out. We'll see how he finishes up. If he can get a couple wins, I think he gets another year. Uh, but you know, you can't count on it, right? Like no. it's it's a tough schedule that they have, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that that program has a rich history of winning. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe time to rethink where they are as a program. I really thought Scott Frost was a home run hire. And he, was. That he, didn't was. Turn out. he was. He was a home run hire. And yeah. he, I don't know. He might still be. I don't know. Like, who knows? Maybe next year. I think they have a lot of guys coming back. If they rattle off eight eight wins, then you guys say, okay, maybe maybe there's something here. And, but, and the division is very winnable. I mean, it is. If you can beat Wisconsin and Iowa, you're right there in the mix. And and Iowa's going through a change because and Iowa Wisconsin isn't the, the dominant team that they were. Yes, they were on the top of the hill, and then it, it just absolutely collapsed. Yep. Um, and now they now granted they can still have a very good season, a nine win season, but it's just like Kirk Ferentz is always Kirk Ferentz. You're always going to get nine wins, eight wins, nine wins. Once in a while, you're going to get ten. And that's Iowa football. They're always yeah. going to be in the mix. But, <laughs> I mean, is that good enough? You, you can only do for, it for so for many years before people are like, we're sick of this. Yeah. But then you get the Bo Pelini aspect, like Nebraska, of, okay, eight, nine, eight and nine wins wasn't good enough. You now hire a new guy. What was Iowa football before Kirk Ferentz? Wasn't good. They were they were drowning. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was basically drowning, and then it was Hayden Fry like back in the day, and then you got mm-hmm. to Kirk Ferentz, and it's yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like Florida State football before Bobby Bowden. Yeah, was, exactly. They were nothing. terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, really quick, uh, TCU wins the good old. Our coach just got fired, so we're gonna up, upset someone. Game. Uh. I don't know if you saw any any of this one, Jay. Uh, only thing I got to say is Chandler Morris, quarterback for TCU, uh, stellar, really gutsy performance. He pulled off a Houdini third down conversion with the duck on the sack. Uh, defensive lineman went high. He went uh, went right underneath it, spun out of it, got the first down, set up a winning touchdown. Um, I don't know Jerry Kill first win since he was at since he was been at Minnesota as a tech, uh, a head coach, but I don't know who, I don't know who's gonna, do you know anybody who might be the new head coach at TCU? Uh, you know, there's a lot of names been floated around. Uh, I mean, they've looked across the Metroplex at, at Sonny Dykes at SMU mm-hmm. as, as a possibility. Uh, obviously Jeff Trailer was a name that was high on a lot of people's list, but he signed that extension with UTSA now. Mm-hmm. So it looks like trailer's going to stick out there. Uh, I, I just I don't know who off the top of my head uh, wants to take that TCU job. It's not a super easy mm-hmm. job. Uh, I think well, because you have, coordinator, you have the, the Christian affiliation, so you got to make sure you're. Well, it's head. it's not as strict as like a Baylor is uh, okay. on that. Uh, and actually, I mean, do you think you Dave Clawson? I just I don't think he leaves Wake Forest. I think they're that's a pretty lateral move, uh, really? in my opinion. TCU. I mean, I mean, I guess it's a step. I guess it's it's a especially now step with up. OU and Texas leaving the Big Twelve, that the conference is going to have uh, less of a a shine about it, right? Like mm-hmm. the ACC still has a lot of powerful storied programs. You still have your your Clemson, your Florida State out there. Uh, Miami. You don't have that flagship program uh, in the Big 12 anymore with Texas and OU leaving. Uh, and that, that takes away a little bit of the luster. Obviously now, though, I, I mean, I, in my opinion, it's, it's a fight between TCU and Baylor for the, uh, the, the top Big 12 program from Texas, uh, just because I don't think Texas Tech has looked uh, great since uh, Mike Leach ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – it's tough. I mean, and with Houston coming into the conference, I think it may get even harder to recruit uh, at TCU. But we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I think the offensive coordinator from Ole Miss, the, the name is slipping my mind right now, but I think his name has also been thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I mean, again, I, I'm just not sure who's going to be at the top of TCU's list. I, I mean, I would think that normally whenever uh, you, you make a decision like this uh, midseason that you, you have your target, but uh, I haven't heard too many rumors coming out about certainty about who's going to take that position, but it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. And they have a good right now. They have a really good interim guy with Jerry kill. That's going to keep the program together and everything like that. And he's like a big locker room type of guy, rah, rah. And I think he'll definitely keep the team together to the end yeah, of the year. I, mean, I tell you what, Gary, nobody hated Baylor like Gary Patterson hated Baylor. <laughs> I think he was still super excited to see TCU get that win. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so while we were sleeping, or actually it, later, uh, but Pac-12 defeats Washington 26-16. Just want to let everyone know, um, I told Joe on weekend winners that his Washington pick was dumb. I told him. I said, no way. This game was closer than I thought, but I said, minus seven. I said, that's a lock. He's like, oh, I I said, I said, Washington's not going to score. And their offensive coordinator, John Donovan, has been fired. He's gone. He should have been fired after the Michigan game. Um, Jimmy Lake is a good coach, and the only reason why Washington's in the situation they're in is because their their offense is atrocious. Like, they need to revamp it. They need to get someone else in there because John Donovan – and I've lived through the John Donovan experience. It's not good. So, Washington, Jimmy Lake made that move 100% trying to save his job, and he's going to. Yeah, I mean, Oregon uh, is is a solid defensive team. Right. Like I get struggling, but I mean, Washington struggled against anybody and everybody this year on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's crazy how fast that program rose under Chris Peterson and has now seemed to just go downhill since Chris Peterson left. So, I mean, I have to wonder if maybe we underrated Chris Peterson as a coach, because I mean, the fact that he had Washington in the playoff is pretty impressive. And when they were, I mean, it was a Fiesta Bowl. Um, I think they went to another New Year's Six Bowl. But they were always – they were the number two to USC. Because Oregon was down at that time. And it was USC, Washington. Oregon was fighting them off. Uh, You had a decent Stanford team. What? Every once in a while. A decent Stanford squad every once in a while. Yeah, Stanford, yes. It was Washington and Stanford that were kind of – Back in the Pac-12 North, yeah. But still, Washington was really good. And again, that's a program where are you okay with being the second-best team in your conference, the third-best team in your conference every year, or do you want to look elsewhere? Now, I know Chris Peterson retired, but did he retire? Because they were coming off of, what, a 7-1 season. Was he forced out? I don't know, but – it's one of those things where kind of be careful what you wish for because things can be worse. And I think Jimmy Lake is a good hire, but they're just, their offense is terrible. Yeah. Definitely have to get that fixed up there. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Tennessee. Now Jay, it's no secret. I don't like them. I don't like Tennessee. I don't like their fans. It's okay. It's mutual, but they had a really impressive win against Kentucky. Um, Hendon Hooker, fabulous. Um, if scoring 45 points on Kentucky is not a small feat. That no. is a good, stout defense. But my problem with Tennessee is, and Josh Hoipel, you know, looking like a decent hire. My problem with Tennessee, that defense is bad. Yeah. Bad. It's not, it's not good. No, but I mean, I tell you what, Tennessee has become must-watch football because oh. it is it is fun to watch that team. Yeah, regardless of like how you feel about their fans, I mm-hmm. mean, Josh Heupel's offense has been going, and <laughs> it is fun to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. you you take a, like a Kentucky defense that has been pretty good all year long, mm-hmm. uh, and Tennessee was able to take over that game with that with that offense and it's, oh, yeah. it's fun to watch. I mean, obviously Tennessee, they're another program where it's like, 
have a lot of history, but just have not been able to do anything in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think obviously it, it's too soon to see exactly how this hire is. I'm a Josh Heupel fan. I, I wish him nothing but success. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's too soon to really be able to tell what their ceiling is as a program with him at the, uh, the head. Uh, but I mean, that's, that Kentucky one is a great win for that program. Oh, it is. Especially after how close they came to beating Ole Miss. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, they, they hung closer with Bama than I, than I thought they would at first. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, we'll see how they finish up this season. Obviously, uh, a pretty good chance at uh, closing out the year uh, in the SEC East with some, some good games. Uh, Georgia is going to be a test to see. George, okay, that, that one's not going to be good. Um, no. <laughs> but I will say this, Georgia's defense is going to be tested a little bit. I think so. A little bit, a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, looking at their schedule, I mean, they have Georgia, but they also have South Alabama and then they have Vanderbilt to end these in the year. So they Which should be two, two out of three. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you're seven and five, Tennessee was supposed to be terrible this year with all the crap that was going on. If you end the year seven and five, if you're a Tennessee fan, you 100% take that. Yeah. Go to the Music yeah. City Bowl, play, you know, someone from the Big Ten. And, you know, if if you win that game, it's a successful year. Yeah. You and it gives you some wins, momentum to build off of, for it, sure. Absolutely. Um, and again, you can build off. I mean, if you have a, a good offense, you can at least go into shootouts with people. And then it's at least it's a coin flip. Whether you win or lose, and um, it's I mean, not sustainable. But like you said, it's going to be fun. Yep, and, and obviously with with the way Georgia is right now, they're a clear number one in the SEC East. Uh, but I think there's space for Tennessee to kind of take over that number two spot, especially with uh, I think who we're going to talk about next here. <laughs> you know it's coming. Yeah. Um. What's what the hell's going on in Florida? <laughs> I think Dan Mullen's falling apart. Is he's like so he's losing his mind. So first of all, Todd Todd Grantham's not a good defensive coordinator. Well, screw uh, him. He's he's Todd Graham's an asshole. I hate him. The, I hate so, Todd Grantham. So, Todd Grantham, sorry. Oh Grantham. Yeah, I was like, wait, is Todd Graham the head coach of Hawaii? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, it happens to everybody. Uh but his defenses have been terrible at Florida. I don't know why Mullen keeps him around, to be honest. But, the, I mean, everything that Mullen's saying around the program is just coming off as a guy that's in over his head. I mean, yeah. talking about recruiting, like, well, we're not going to talk about recruiting right now. It's, I mean, it's yeah. just everything that's going on in that program is saying that Mullen is probably not going to last much longer. I mean, it goes back to when they lost to AM and he's complaining about the amount of fans in the stadium last year yeah uh, and then he talks about people declaring early for the draft and not playing the bowl game and he calls his team a bunch of like a like a jv team it's yeah like, i mean everything about that guy just screams to me that he he's in over his head and uh that his reign as florida head coach is probably not going to last too much longer and you know how um and i and i don't want to rag on Florida, but, but I'm going to, (laughs) but I'm going to, you know, the difference between watching Nebraska and Florida is completely different because like when I watch Nebraska, I see a team that is not as talented as the team across from them. And they're at least like making it close. Yeah. Every week they are making Now granted they're losing games, but they're making it close. Florida they hung with Bama, but since then, they, they've been awful. They're they're terrible on defense. Um, Emory Jones is trying, but he's not getting any help. Um, South Carolina is not good. No, like Beamer, they, like I everyone. I, knew I actually that like they, Shane Beamer quite a bit. I do. But... No, I like Shane Beamer, but going into that, I'm like, uh, he's going to have a rough two years. Yeah. You know, South Carolina's in a bad way. Um, and I was hoping, like, that fan base – and I think that fan base absolutely knows what's going on with, with there. But 
man, this isn't a game where you got get upset. Like if Florida would have lost by seven or three, I would have thought, nah, you know, they got upset, you know, South Carolina at home, whatever. It happens. But you get the bricks beat off of you. I mean, uh, let me see there. There's two over 200 rushing. They gave up over 200 rushing yards. Which is wild. Two two running backs went over 100 yards for for South Carolina. And I mean, they're not a great running team. No, two weeks ago, A&M held South Carolina to like six yards through the third quarter. And it was like – and all of a sudden, you're looking at this. I, I looked down at my phone and I saw that score. It was like 30-10 going into halftime. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, I just I, – I have no idea. And obviously, I think what you're seeing is uh, two very different coaches in Mullen and Beamer. I think Beamer's a guy that is great at motivating his team, great mm-hmm. at getting him up for challenges. Uh, I think his players want to play for him. I think all the opposite can be said about Mullen. I think I honestly think Mullen has lost the locker room. Yeah, I think those guys are packing, and I think a lot of it has to do with the things you're saying, Jay. With he's just coming off as a, like a douche, and it's he's coming off as somebody who makes excuses for everything. Exactly, too. and it's just like for him, not for his team. Exactly, but for him, and there's a big difference there. A big difference. Yep. It's it's like. It's not, it's, it's a lot of, it's not my fault. Yep. And then like, you're like, like talking about like the fans, uh, not having enough fans in the stadium. And then, you know, learn the Darth Vader thing was, was very strange. Um, and, and then you have like him, um, like I said, saying like, oh, we, you know, guys opting out or whatever. Yeah. He's, like, on, he's man. a me guy. He's a, he's a, he's a me guy. He is. And and just, I mean, he. I think he's got a good mind for football. He wouldn't be where he is without oh, that. Yeah. But it's just one thing after another with this guy. And I, like he said, I think he's lost the locker room at this point. I don't think his players trust him anymore. I don't think a power five – and now this might be a hot take. I don't think a, a, a power five takes a chance on Dan Mullen if he go, leaves Florida just because there's going to be extra baggage with that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to an offensive coordinator job. I don't think he's going to get another head coaching gig. Does he go to the? Does he go to the the Nick Saban uh, rehabilitation yes. center? <laughs> well, Mullen was an Urban Meyer guy originally, so uh, probably not. But. So probably not. <laughs> but I mean, that that shouldn't surprise people. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Because he seems like an Urban Meyer guy, um, but I don't know. I think he'll end up. He'll be a head coach in a, in a group of five school. I think. I, I wouldn't be super surprised by that because we'll, they'll because we'll they will out. take a chance on him. Yeah, I just don't think it'll go well. But you never know. No. Like like we talked about TCU. TCU would never touch Dan Mullen. No, never. They not if they're Dan smart. Mullen. No, absolutely not. And you know what? it's sad because like. When Penn State was going through, the, when Bill O'Brien left, I was like, man, I would really want Miss, like the guy from Mississippi State. I really want Dan Mullen. And I'm so glad that didn't happen. Like, I'm very glad. And listen, I, I, I have my critiques on Franklin, but nowhere near Dan Mullen. Yeah, like, James not- Franklin says, has said some dumb things, but he's not going to lose a locker room like Dan Mullen. No, has. and he'll never, he'll never call out guy like he'll he'll make excuses for his players right he'll never do it he'll uh, he'll always say i didn't prepare our coaches didn't prepare it's never that and like i know a lot of coaches do that but it seems like mullen well i mean that's how it should be you you address the problems behind closed doors and you take Mm -hmm. responsibility for it uh for the media yep absolutely um all right here we go uh a small preview this weekend um Jay, can Purdue do it again? They're going to be 20-point dogs against Ohio State. Can they do it again? Uh, I don't think so, just because I think Ohio State had a little bit of a wake-up call last week. Plus, Ohio State uh, still has the memory of getting blown out by Purdue in their mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously, just watching Michigan State uh, take that loss, I I just – I don't see – Purdue pulling it off against Ohio State. Now they may play them close just because I mean it's it's a tough 
it's a tough team that's coached well, but Scrappy, uh, Ohio yeah. State just has so much talent. Yeah. You know, that Jeff Brom's another guy, you know, going into the year, you're thinking, ah, is he going to be there? Like, you know, Purdue hasn't been good, even though it's Purdue. Um, Purdue's thing, just get get them to bowl games. That's Purdue. Yep. Purdue just, like, get us to bowl games. Um, and Brom wasn't doing you – know, a little bit, he wasn't doing that. But um, definitely saved his job this year um, just because they're winning games. And they're close. I mean, they kept it close with Notre Dame. They're competing with these teams. I do think I think Ohio State blows them out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. It's too offensively. Ohio State is just too good offensively. Um, now I do think Purdue will put up some points. I think they'll score in the twenties, but I I think this has forty two twenty one written all over, and I think you're going to sweat out that twenty point line. Uh, let's see, Mississippi State. At Auburn, Auburn, five-and-a-half-point favorite. Listen, I love Auburn's running attack in this game. I think Bo Nix looks back at some mistakes. Hey, I can't force the ball. Hey, I got to get rid of it at certain times. Um, I think Auburn is just a more balanced team. Um, I think this is close. I would, I'd like to take Mississippi State plus five-and-a-half, but I think Auburn wins the game. Yeah, uh, I think Auburn's going to look to bounce back here. Uh, obviously, you know, Bo Nix had taken care of the ball up until that AM game. They're going back home. Uh, I think, you know, fans are going to want to see him bounce back. Uh, I just I, – I don't think that Mississippi State has the weapons to, to compete with them. Uh, I'd like Auburn to cover and win uh, pretty handily. Um, all right, the game I'll be at. Uh, Penn State, Michigan, noon game, which sucks. Screw you, ABC. <laughs> um, still not happy about that. I will say it'll probably be the it'll probably be the loudest noon game since a couple of years ago. Penn State played Pitt, and it was pretty it was pretty fun. But yeah, I, I think this this game Beaver Stadium will be rocking. Everyone's going to be up early. But Penn State is a point favorite in this game. Also, under 49. I think under 49 is your safe bet. I would get that as soon as you hear this because it will probably go down even farther. Both these teams, very inconsistent on offense, both good defenses. Listen, I love the Lions. And I know that's not a surprise. I know I'm biased. I love Penn State in this matchup. I love Penn State in this matchup. They're tech, even though they're favorites, I think they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Michigan coming off a win against Indiana. I do believe Penn State defensively is going to shut down Michigan, and Michigan is going to be in more of a battle than they think from their defense against PSU's offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from the line in this game, uh, but I, I do think that the under is your safe bet. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be a rock fight. It's going to be two defensive teams, two un, like inconsistent offenses. I don't trust either of these offenses uh, to put up points, and that's why. I mean, if you're if you're talking about betting, just go ahead and hammer the under on that one. Yep. Um, Oklahoma uh, minus six favorite over Baylor. Um, I does Baylor sneak up on Oklahoma? They did suffer that loss to TCU. Do they bounce back? Do the, or do you think the Sooners take care of business? This is a tough one, man. I mean, here, here's the thing. I think OU has played just about everybody close this year. Mm-hmm. It's part of the problem. I mean, when you let Kansas hang around in a game, uh, you're, you're basically just trying to keep every game as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Baylor can hang around in this. Uh, I think Waco is probably going to be uh, popping. Everybody's going to be excited for this, this matchup. And I think part of Baylor's problem last week is that they were looking forward to this week. Uh, yeah. This could end up being the uh, de facto uh, Big 12 championship. Obviously, it depends on what Oklahoma State does. Right. But if uh, if Baylor can sneak this one out, I mean, it's a huge win for that program. Uh, I like everything that Dave Aranda has done there uh, mm-hmm. since taking over for Matt Rule. Uh, and, you know, it's, again, OU is going to have a lot more talent on both sides of the ball than Baylor. Yep. But they've let every single team that they've played hang around. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more of the same on Saturday. Yeah. I I would see where this line goes 
because I feel like it'll go up to seven during the week. Um, and if that's the case, I'd love to hammer uh, Baylor plus seven if it goes there. But I, I do think you're in for a close game. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Jay, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Uh, your Aggies are one-point favorites. What are we thinking? I think this game scares the hell out of me. Uh, on the road at Ole Miss, I mean, Oxford is going to be pretty live. It's game day. College game day has announced yes, they're going to be in Oxford for it. Uh, so, obviously, that crowd is going to be hammered. It's going to be a night game. The Grove is going to be just on fire, electric. Uh, and that's worrisome as a, as a team going to visit. But AM just has so much momentum right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm looking at Ole Miss's wide receiver core. It's It's been devastated by injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way AM's defense is playing right now, I think they have the ability to give Ole Miss a lot of problems. I mean, Ole Miss struggled uh, with Liberty. And obviously, a is going to have a little bit better defense than Liberty. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I do think that Ole Miss is going to bring their A game. I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to have a great game plan going into this. So it'll come down to just a battle of wills. I, I see it being a close game. I think it'll be more low scoring just because of the fact that we talked about like Ole Miss – has some wide receiver injuries and AM's defense is great. Meanwhile, AM's offense is extremely inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll, it may depend on what version of Calzada we get. If we get good Calzada, it could end up being a blowout. And if we don't, I mean, Ole Miss could end up getting this win. I think the big thing in this game is Texas AM's running game. Um, I think they will be able to run the ball. I mean, like you said before, I mean, the, this team should probably run the ball more. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll be able to control that. I Again, this defense is good. This defense is very good. This is probably the second best defense in the country. And they'll be able to get over. They'll be able to get to Corral. He, I don't know if he's 100%, but they're going to get to him. They have some guys banged. Ole Miss has some guys banged up. I think they're kind of limping into this game. I'm kind of surprised it's a one-point game. It, it might smell a little bit, but I think – I think Texas A&M handles it. Let's see. Oh, last one. Um, top 25 matchup, Wake Forest against NC State. Now, is this one a conference game or is this one a non This is a conference game. game. Okay. This is a conference <laughs> game. Um, does Wake Forest bounce back? They're two-and-a-half point favorite over NC State. Uh, man, that's tough. Uh, I – Wake Forest is is a weird team for me. I mean, they probably should have lost a game already this year, uh, but their offense is it's, it's another one of those like Tennessee where their offense is just so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Even though every time we talk about Wake Forest, I talk about how much the mesh point being extended for forever on their read options Dude, pisses me I off. I thought about you watching it because <laughs> I was like, because it was like it was always there, but then like every time it came up. Every time I saw it, I was just like, oh, Jay's probably punching air right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just frustrating. I don't know what it is that aggravates me so much. But, uh, I mean, NC State's also been kind of an up-and-down team. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they handed Clemson that loss that has kind of sent Clemson on their spiral. Uh, But they'll turn around and lose games that they should win. And it's – I don't feel comfortable predicting this game. I'll put it that way. Because neither one of these teams is, is to me, a trustworthy squad. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick Wake Forest just because I think they're more dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, But, again, this is – if I was a gambler, I would not touch this game. Yeah, like, I don't know. Because NC State, like, only scoring 10 points against Mississippi State. Um, And then they had a close win against Louisiana Tech. And then they lost to – lost to Miami. Uh, but I think Miami's starting to find themselves a little bit. Like, it, and, and that's, again, I'm not a big Manny Diaz guy, but I thought Miami was just going to pack it in. And they're kind of showing, like, some heart here. Van Dyke has kind of re- rejuvenated that offensive squad. Um, their defense is playing better. but And I like for them to, to beat Florida State this weekend. 
But yeah, this is a this is a, a strange matchup. Honestly, I would stay away from it as well. Um, just because, like you were saying, uh, you, you can't trust either of these squads. But all right, now um, instead of going, so instead of doing the playoff where I rank things, we are going to have our own top ten for this next segment. All right, and it's because. The college football playoff rankings are atrocious. Now, tonight, so this comes out on Tuesday, um, so with you guys listening, tonight there's going to be a new selection. But, Jay, we got to talk about how dumb some of these things are, some of these rankings. Um, the one that jumps out at The one that jumps out at me is Oklahoma at eight. An undefeated team. I know some of their wins are ugly, but they're still undefeated. They're still, you know, in the Big 12. They're still in a major conference. I just don't, I just don't understand that. Yeah. Uh the the two that jump out to me are Alabama still being number two. Yep. And then OU being at eight. Uh, which I think whenever we get into our rankings, that will obviously change quite a bit. Uh I don't like Cincy being left out, but I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think if the committee's going to value Notre Dame like they did last year and then to not value Cincinnati winning at Notre Dame at all, uh, it kind of reeks of a double standard. But mm-hmm. uh, we can get into a little more of that whenever we start listing these off. Oh, yeah. And, and I think the the other thing here to me is Michigan at seven. Yeah. Michigan at seven makes no sense to me. You and I understand they lost to Michigan State, who is really who they're they're a good team, but you have a loss. Put them behind Wake Forest. Yeah, because and and Clyde well, said this, and I said this pre, pre Wake Forest, pre uh, North Carolina Wake Forest, right? Yeah, yeah, pre North Carolina Wake Forest. <laughs> um, and and by no means is the committee right. Like the committee shouldn't be sitting there. See, we told you Wake Forest was no, like that doesn't. They're, they still have a decent resume. And, again, it's not who looks the best. It's who's the most deserving. You look at them, look at the resume, look at who they beat, um, and you say, okay, they get wins here. And, and just look at the wins. Look at their losses. Now, I know Alabama has a good loss because Texas A&M, but they still have a loss. You cannot – if it was to end the day – and you had Michigan State and Oklahoma and Wake Forest on the outside, and you put Alabama in with a loss. That's craziness to me. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. No, it's and, you now. Know, do I think that Alabama is likely to end up uh, further up the list just because of other teams losing? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not what we're doing right now. We're looking at what the schedule or what the resume says so far. Right now, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and again, you know, you have teams here. I mean, and again, I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be salty as a Penn State guy because Penn State lost to Illinois, and that's an inexcusable loss. But you have Wisconsin with the same record ahead of them. They have the same record, and Penn State went into their house and beat them. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it's a good move putting Oregon in there instead of Ohio State. I think that's great. But when you start ranking these teams and you have teams with the same record who have a head to head, you got to change that out. Um, but anyway, and again, is there a Southern bias? I think so. I, I'm, on the Southern, I'm sorry, Jay. I'm on the Southern bias. <laughs> I do think there's always a bias against the West coast just because nobody has to watch those games. There is, but I think the they have the, isn't helping themselves. I, I think they have the uh, the biggest gripe of anybody, but probably. I mean, look, uh, looking at these rankings, I mean, you have Oregon in there. Where's your next Pac-12 team? Yeah, BYU doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my God, is Oregon the only team ranked out of the Pac-12? That's it. That's it. It's Oregon. Yeah. So, and it'll still be Oregon. You have Utah receiving votes, and that's it. Yeah. So, okay. So, 
right now we're going to give our top 10. This is what the playoff should be right now after week 10, 11. Uh, so this is week 11, I believe. Oh, week 11. So week, okay. week 10. Okay, after so after week, week 10. 10. Um, so, Jay, can we just get it out of the way, number one? Georgia. Georgia. Okay, yes, as long as we're on the same page. All right, so number one, Georgia out of the way. There's no suspense. Get that out of the way. Okay, let's go 10. Let's go 10 down. I have Michigan at 10. Okay, uh, so I actually have AM at 10. Okay, I mean – Better wins. I can fully understand if you want if you want to put A and M ahead of Michigan. Michigan, they've only really played. I mean, they played two good teams. They beat Wisconsin, but then they lost oh, well, to Michigan State. I, I don't. I don't have them ahead of Michigan, but I don't want to spoil that. Oh, you don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So ten Michigan, and then you have A and M. A and M was my eleven, by the way. Okay. A and M was my eleven. Um, nine, I have Michigan State. So, uh, nine, I have Michigan. Okay, that's where you have. Okay. Um, I think, I don't think they should drop that far. I mean, they still have one loss. Purdue's a decent team. I mean, I, I don't think Purdue is a great team, but they're decent. Um, but yeah, anything on Michigan? Uh, I mean, uh, they haven't really beaten anybody of note. Right, like we're still waiting for that signature win. I think for Michigan, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Obviously, big game. Uh, this has a chance to be, I think, at least their best win of the season. Uh, and that's that's why I don't have them higher. I mean, it's a one loss team, but it, you know, I have my questions. Right. Yeah. I mean, even when they beat Wisconsin, that game was close, and I think Wisconsin was just not in a good place. Right. Because they were coming off that loss to Notre Dame, and that's the other thing, Wisconsin. And I know I just complained about Penn State being behind them, but Wisconsin's wins – or, sorry, Wisconsin's losses. Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan. That's not bad, you know. And, I mean, kudos for them for even going out and trying to play someone like Notre Dame. Um, Number eight, I have Oklahoma State. So I actually have Oklahoma State here as well. Okay. Great. All right. We're in agreement. Um, good defensive team. <laughs> Offense is shaky. Spencer Saunders is when he's playing well. I think that's a good team. They really shut down West West Virginia. But I like I like the Pokes. I don't think they're going to beat Oklahoma, but Bedlam's going to be a lot of fun. Agreed. Yep. All right. I think this is probably where we're going to uh, verge. But seven <laughs> is Notre Dame. For me, so I have Michigan State at seven. Okay, that's the uh, Michigan State at seven. Um, I mean Notre Dame, they their loss to um, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's up there. That's their only loss. I know their schedule doesn't look great now, but I still think they deserve to be seven. Yeah, I actually have Notre Dame outside of my top ten. So yeah, that's that's the team. <laughs> <laughs> So who you have Michigan State there? Michigan State there. Yeah, yeah that's solid. Solid. Um, okay, number six, Alabama. Uh, I actually have Alabama at number six as well. Uh, okay, now okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking. All right, um, Alabama. I mean, their loss to Texas A and M. They they still look. I mean, shaky. Uh, they didn't look good over the yeah. weekend. They 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 looked terrible against LSU. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. And they were at home. And yeah. I was like, this is going to be an ass. I think all of us were like, this is going to be an ass kick, and LSU's in a bad way. You have to wonder about what the Iron Bowl is going to look like this year. Is that in Jordan Hare? It's in Jordan Hare. Yeah, odd year. My friend's going to the game. Odd year, Auburn Magic. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, um, I think we'll be the same here as well, Jay. Uh, I have Ohio State at five. I have Ohio State at five as well. There we go. I think we're going to be the same the way out. Um, yeah, Ohio State. Um, they have they have that loss to Oregon. That's why Oregon's going to be ahead of them here. Um, we're going to see what happens, you know, down the stretch with some of these other teams. But I think if everyone wins out, I do think Ohio State's on the on the outside looking into the playoff. Yeah, 
uh, as of right now. And I mean, you said it, uh, you have to value head to head wins. And that's why I have Oregon at four uh, just ahead of Ohio state. Oh, okay. See, so I went Cincinnati at four. Understandable. I did go Cincinnati at four. I believe they deserve a chance at, in the, at the dance, but I think Oregon's Oregon did have a bad loss to Stanford, but I just think that Cincinnati being a group of five team, let's at least give the power five team ahead of them. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so who do you have at three? I have Cincinnati at three. There we go. So we flip flopped because I have, or I have Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things, Oregon. Uh, it's it. They're not, I mean, they have wins, but now they're starting to get banged up and you're starting to wonder, are they going to lose another game? But again, you might as well put them up there now because they deserve to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. And then number two is Oklahoma. Number two is Oklahoma yeah. for me as well. I just yeah. think you have to put them in. I know the Big 12 is down. It's a, it's an undefeated Power 5 team. And, it's Yeah. And it's, it's somebody that has consistently proven that uh, even if they're not – you know, necessarily at the elite, elite echelon with like Alabama and Clemson in the past few years, there's still somebody that's going to be competitive against the top five teams in the country. Uh, and I, I think you have to value that OU at number two. There's, I mean, they, they may not be pretty, but they're winning. And as right. long as they keep winning, I think you have to keep give them the respect and have them in that number two spot. Yep. Absolutely. And guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Jay, wonderful first round. We got out of here for an hour episode, which I think is uh, – we should congratulate ourselves a little bit because you and I could go on pat for on hours. A little bit of pat on the back there. We only, we only got off track on the uh, Arizona Cardinals for a little bit. <laughs> we, we got into NFL talk somehow. Um, but, no – Love having you on. Love having you as a co-host, man. We're going to have a fun rest of the year. Um, and for all you guys listening, have a great